It's an honor to be here tonight. I love this place. I love this church. I'm so grateful for this church. I moved here with my family in 1976, and uh, fourth grade, one of my fourth grade teachers was Mrs. Anderson. Uh, just lost her husband. I, I owe, owe so many, uh, such a debt of gratitude to so many people in this place. Thank you for staying the same. Um, it's, it's not, this church is a flagship. It's a flagship for soul winning, uh, old fashioned, fundamental preaching, Bible preaching churches. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Wilkerson, and he's helped me. And uh, he, his emphasis on prayer, his emphasis on personal holiness, humility, and those go together. Personal holiness and humility, his emphasis on discipleship and on foreign missions, and his emphasis on teamwork between churches. Um, it's helped me as a pastor, and we're a distance away but I owe this church a debt of gratitude. Thank you for continuing to invest in our church. Our young people, 13 of our best young people are here. And I'm glad they're here at, at House Anderson and training for ministry and whatever God may have for them. But I'm so thankful for the influence that so many of you have. Amen. And thank you for your faithfulness to give to this church and just be here. It's a great crowd on a Wednesday night. Thank you for coming. And I'm just honored to be here. Appreciate so much all of you. First Kings chapter 5 in your Bibles. First Kings chapter 5 in your Bibles. So encouraged about this church and the direction it's going in. It's until I saw my brother come up to pray, and he's got some liberal shoes on. Looks like. I, I look like he's ready to run a marathon or something. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Maybe he's going to interview somebody on ESPN later or something. 1 Kings chapter 5. 1 Kings chapter 5. Let's read several verses here. I want you to listen to me carefully tonight. This is going to be an unusual, but I believe a much needed message. Verse 1, 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants unto Solomon, for he had heard that they had anointed him king in the room of his father. For Hiram was ever a lover of David. And Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, Thou knowest how that my David, my father, could not build a house unto the name of the Lord his God for the wars which were about him on every side, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side, so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrent. And behold, I purpose to build an house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David, my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon the throne in thy room, he shall build a house unto my name. Now therefore command thou that they hew me cedar trees out of Lebanon, and my servants shall be with thy servants, and unto thee will I give hire for thy servants according to all that thou shalt appoint, for thou knowest that there is not among us any that can skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians." And it came to pass, when Hiram heard the word of Solomon, that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, which has given unto David a wise son over this great people. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have considered the things which thou sentest to me for, and I will do all thy desire concerning timber of cedar and concerning timber of fir. Bear with me, I'm going somewhere. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon unto the sea, and I will convey them by sea and floats into the place that thou shalt appoint me, and will cause them to be discharged there. 
and thou shalt receive them, and thou shalt accomplish my desire in giving food for my household. So Hiram gave Solomon a cedar, cedar trees and fir trees according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram a 20,000 measures of wheat for food to his household and 20 measures of pure oil. Thus gave Solomon to Hiram year by year. The Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two made a league together. And King Solomon raised a levy out of all Israel, and the levy was 30,000 men. Notice this, verse 14, our text. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month by courses. A month they were in Lebanon, and two months at home. And Adoniram was over the levy. I want to talk to you on that subject tonight. A month in Lebanon and two months at home. I firmly believe this, that every Christian ought to be involved in the work of God. Every person here ought to be doing something. Not all of us doing the same thing, but everybody doing something for God. I believe that every member ought to be a minister. I believe that every saint ought to be a servant. And we ought to be busy building the house of God for His glory, but... Here's the message tonight, not to the exclusion of your family, not to the exclusion of your home duties. We must maintain our own walk with God. We must give attention to our own marriages, and we must take time to teach and train our own children, or our testimony will be ineffective with those closest to us and with those that we're trying to reach. Remember the qualifications of a pastor as given in 1 Timothy chapter 3? Among other things, the pastor is to be the husband of one wife and one that ruleth well his own house. For if he cannot rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Now, you may have a problem with that, friend, but God put it there. That's part of God's word. That's his instruction. Those are his qualifications. My dad over and over warned me, son, if you lose your ministry, you still have your family. But if you lose your family, your ministry will be gone as well. That is, if we believe and follow 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm so grateful that my dad and mom so actively serving in the Lord's work. They didn't just talk the talk, they walked the walk. You see, my parents showed me how to make marriage and home a priority, even while you serve the Lord. We never miss church. We served the Lord together, but I never felt, never all the years that I was growing up, I, I never felt that I was neglected or pushed aside. My busy parents, they were involved in bus routes and Sunday schools and children's churches, all sorts of things. They were always there for me. Oh, we had time at home, then, and so the best memories I have are times that we spent at home. But my parents taught me to work by working with me. My parents taught me to live for others by involving the whole family on a bus route. My parents taught us to live for others and care about others by involving the whole family in children's churches. We ate meals together every night. That's not a bad idea. We ought to get back to that. We ate meals together as we discussed the blessings of the Lord. Please, friend, don't miss this truth tonight. In aggressive soul-winning churches, we are busy and we ought to be busy. We have a lot of hooks in the water. There's constant outreach. I understand you just had a big outreach this past weekend and excited about that, thrilled about that. There's constant outreach and constant discipleship, and that's all well and good. Don't bury your talent. Use it for God's glory. But please, friend, do not leave your family behind. 
Don't neglect your marriage for the sake of the ministry. It's not a good trade-off. Don't neglect your children. You will forever regret it. My, my favorite Bible character is, is David. I love King David. I, I, I think I like him so much because he's passionate and because he's very transparent. We know a lot about David because he reveals, the Bible reveals a lot about him. Amen. But let's just be honest, folks. David was a lousy father. He was a lousy father. And I don't want the remorse that David felt when his son Absalom rebelled against him and died. If only David had reached out to his son Absalom sooner. Study David's life and see how many times he said the word son to Absalom until after it was too late. And then he said, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Oh, Absalom, my son, would God I had died for thee. It's too late then. Couldn't do anything about it then. God help us to avoid that. In our passage, we find Solomon still early in his reign. In fact, he's in his first year. If we read the previous chapter, he's just taken over the throne. And, and of course, God's blessed him. Read verse 29 of the previous chapter. and You'll see that God gave him great, great wisdom. And Solomon, using the wisdom that God gives him, makes sure that his workers, don't miss this, had one month in Lebanon laboring for the house of the Lord, but then two months at home. It's a lesson for us, especially those who may tend to be workaholics, maybe either in ministry or in your secular job. Listen, folks, there's no extra credit for impressing others while you lose your own family. It's not a good trade. We must walk with God personally. I'm for encouraging others to come to Christ and discipling others, but we must guard our own personal time at home and our own walk with God. And we must guard and invest in our own marriages and our own children. And if we do follow God's plan, that by the way, that's God's plan. And if we do follow God's plan, what will happen is, it's not, you say, well, preacher, it just slows me down. What will happen is one day your ministry will be multiplied. If we'll follow God's plan and God's wisdom. My, my dad and mom, they didn't leave any of us four behind. And now you know what they have. They have one sitting, standing here behind the pulpit and one liberal brother over here. I'm just kidding. My, my, my brother Keith over here serving at the church and, and my sister here, then another sister in Oregon. And every week we're reaching out to people and soul winning and discipling converts and doing our best to try to build the house of God. You say, preacher, did it slow them down? I don't know, you could talk to them, but they wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It's not a good trade. One month in Lebanon and two at home. You say, preacher, this is Old Testament. Yes, it's part of God's inspired and preserved word. And there's a principle for us here. I, I, let's pray real quick. Father, meet with us the next few minutes tonight. Teach us from your word a simple message, but I think one that's really important. Help me, Lord, to say just what you want me to say. I didn't ask to come here. For some reason, you have me here. And I pray that you'd help me to be a blessing to somebody. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Solomon here in this chapter is able to carry out his father David's dream. And he will build a magnificent house. And when I say magnificent, it was truly magnificent. He would do it for the Lord. David had repaired abundantly before his death. He's paved the way for Solomon to have favor with Hiram. That's what we just read about. Hiram is the king of Tyre and Lebanon. There are great cedar trees there, much timber there. And the agreement was that Solomon can have all that he needs. 
And so Solomon appoints the men of Israel, 10,000 at a time, by course, as we just read, to go to Lebanon and prepare timber and stones for the house of God. This was a great work. It was, it was a work for God. That's why it was a great work. But, but as it was being done, Solomon made sure that these workers, these laborers, these men were not to neglect their duties at home. This task was good and right. A house for the God of Israel and all the men of Israel of appropriate age should do their fair share of work. It was orderly and it was fitting that a work for a gracious God like they served be a joyful work. Listen, this wasn't the work like the burden of slavery. This was the delight of sons. They were serving their God. These men didn't leave for the mountains for years at a time while their own fields and while their own families went to waste. No, here was the plan. Here was the plan that God gave to Solomon in God's wisdom, one month in Lebanon and two months at home for their own affairs. I hope we realize that our great God is not a cruel taskmaster. Our work for him should be done in love and our work for God should not deteriorate into forced labor. We sacrifice for God, yes we do, but we do it gladly from the heart. 1 Kings 4.29 tells us that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much. And that's what he's using here. While he's working for God, he says, do not neglect your homes. Do not neglect your families. He knew these people might grow weary even in this great work of building the house of God if they were taken away from their families for too long. So here was the plan. Here was a plan. One month in Lebanon and two months at home. Do you have it? Can we close now? Are we done with the service? All right. This is the principle that I want you to get tonight. Everybody, everybody in the church doing their part for, for the sake of God and doing it joyfully and building the house of God and building his church and sharing the gospel. All of us doing our part, but not to the neglect of our home duties. Pastor Wilkerson asked me to address balance in ministry. It's so important, but how many know it's so difficult to achieve? It just is. It's a challenge. We must carefully and prayerfully seek balance. My son Trey, along with many of the college fellows here, work at Discount Tire. Every effective tire must be properly mounted and what? Balanced. And what they do when they change the tire, they put little metal tabs on the rim of the tire. Otherwise, what happens? Wop, 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 wop. Everything gets thrown off balance. Everything gets out of it. It throws everything off. I mean, you can get that car vibrating to the point it'll destroy much of that car. Why? Because the tire is not in balance. Oh, help us to seek balance. Let me, let me give you two things and I'll be done. Number one. I want you to see, first of all, that we ought to be busy serving the Lord and helping to build His spiritual temple. Every person here ought to be busy building the body of Christ, the church. Secondly, while we labor for Him, we must be doubly careful to maintain our own personal walk with God and our own homes. I'm saying this tonight. All of us who are Marthas, who are busy laboring, should also be Marys worshiping at Jesus' feet. There's a balance. It's what we need to find. Yes, we ought to serve the Lord, but don't be cumbered about with much serving so that you neglect your own personal time with the Lord. One month in Lebanon and two at home. We are all bound to serve the Lord. There shouldn't be any excuses here tonight. We were saved, as Pastor Wilkerson says, 
We were saved, but not to sit and soak and sour. We were saved to serve the Lord. Listen, nobody here has to serve the Lord to be saved. We're not trying to work our way to heaven. No, listen, we work from our salvation because we love the one who paid our way to heaven. And we ought to do it gladly. And everybody here ought to be doing something. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, two of our favorite verses. The soul winner's favorite verses. Salvation is by grace through faith. But Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is followed by verse number 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Our salvation is eternal, friend, but our salvation is not the end of it all. We are not saved by good works, but we are to work for God because we are saved by grace. Well, I hope we get it. Salvation is not just a fire insurance policy from hell. We're saved to serve. We're to become more and more like Christ. Christ is our example in unselfishly laboring in the work of the gospel. For a Christian to be lazy and to neglect the work of God is a shame. It's a shame. It's the very opposite of the way our Lord and Savior lived. As the Father sent me, Jesus said, John 20, 21, so send I you. He was sent to seek and to save the lost, so we are sent to seek and to save the lost. We are sent with the gospel. We are to disciple converts and get that multiplication factor in there. We're to do that. We owe everything to Christ, and his work should become our work. I'm simply saying, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying as Christians tonight, we shouldn't begrudge our month in Lebanon. Let's not begrudge the Lord that. Let's not become, uh, make this a drudgery. Man, we get to serve the Lord. It's not just we have to, we get to. We, we get to share the gospel with others. We get to, it's amazing to me. I, I can't even understand why God would have me stand behind a pulpit. I know me. And I'm so grateful that God would allow me to have even a small part in his ministry. And we ought to serve him gladly. It is our joy and privilege to serve our Savior wherever it may be. In fact, when we return home, we continue to serve him, even in our home duties. We serve the Lord when we go home. We serve the Lord when we minister to our wives and our children. All should gladly have a part in his great work. Aren't you glad? Now think with me for a minute. Aren't you glad that somebody took the time to invest in you? Aren't you glad that somebody wasn't selfish? (laughs) Aren't you glad that somebody could see beyond their own life and We're willing to reach out to you with the gospel. When I count to three, do this with me. When I count to three, say the name of the one humanly responsible for your salvation. Are you ready? The one humanly responsible, say that name. Ready? One, two, three. Pete and Frida Cowling, okay? My mom and dad are the ones most responsible for my coming to Christ. And many of you mentioned a name. It might have been a Sunday school teacher. It might have been a pastor. It might have been a friend. It might have been a spouse. I don't know who it was, but somebody, God used somebody to reach you, either directly or indirectly. And we, friend, are debtors to reach others with the same gospel that somebody reached out to us with. You know what that means? All of us ought to be sharing our testimony. Your testimony is powerful. You ought to be sharing it. All of us ought to pass out gospel tracts. All of us ought to be busy discipling converts and showing the love of Christ to others. We ought to be praying for others' salvation. Hey, let's work to pay the debt that we owe. One month in Lebanon. May we gladly work to build up God's house. 
May we follow in the steps of our Savior and labor to win others. And that month in the fresh mountain air of Lebanon will do us good. Uh, listen, there's nothing more refreshing and nothing more encouraging than serving the Lord, than sharing the gospel, than being a part of His work. Is that not right? Listen, the people that are miserable today, <laughs> a lot of people out there that are just miserable. You know, they leave our churches and they're still miserable. And they're so miserable, they've got to throw rocks, rocks back at us. Listen, I, oh, I just can't believe I grew up in that. Man. Listen, the happiest they ever were was when they were in our church serving God. They know that too. But listen, that's the most encouraging, refreshing thing you can do is get, be a part of God's work. You see, when we're idle, we become miserable. When we're idle, when we're doing nothing, then we begin to pick apart the labor of others. See, we become critical. We, we're an expert. People that do nothing, that are idle, that are lazy, they're an expert at everything while doing nothing. Do you know anybody like that? Have you ever been like that? I'm afraid I have a few times. Don't be the critic on the sideline. Get in the game, friend. Don't just, don't come to a great church. It's a great church. And, and I'm telling you, it is amazing the work that this church is doing here and around the world. But you ought to be a part of it. You ought to get involved. Boy, just work following Jesus' steps. Remember, you were saved to serve. Again, not all doing the same thing, but everybody doing something. Not everybody ought to be serving in the nursery, but thank God there are some that do. Not everybody ought to be teaching Sunday school, but I imagine if this is churches like our church and other churches, there's a need for Sunday school teachers, for willing servants. Do something. Find your place. Help on a bus route. I would imagine, I know what we need at our church. We need bus drivers. Listen, I, it, you say, preacher, I'm not very good at speaking. Well, get your CDL. Work at it, friend. Drive a bus for the Lord. Stay, don't begrudge your month in Lebanon. Become an usher. Work in the nursery. While you work, of course, Satan will oppose. So pray, so pray, so pray. Listen, many prayers are offered from the mountains of Lebanon. Amen. Amen. One month in Lebanon, let's gladly serve the Lord from the heart. What joy there's going to be in heaven, in heaven for those who joyfully take their month in Lebanon. Listen, you ought to thank God. And I know it's a lot of work. And you guys had a big outreach, I think, last Saturday. I don't know, last weekend or something. And everybody involved, and I imagine many of you were involved. One of these days when you get to heaven, you're going to thank God you had a pastor that didn't lose his vision for souls. You're going to thank God. That was part of a church that was still reaching out. Still trying to witness to people. Still running the buses. And still discipling converts. And still doing the work that God allows us to do. Remember this, number two, as we take our month in Lebanon actively serving for the Lord's house, let's take special care to spend our two months at home. How many know our own households need special attention? Hear me, friends. Listen to me, parents. Nobody can take your place. Nobody can. And I'm for you serving, and really you ought to be serving together as a family. I'm reminded of a story years ago that was a member of the presidential cabinet. I don't remember which president he served under, but he submitted his resignation. He had young children. The president tried to press him and, and maybe change his mind, and he asked him about that. And this member of the cabinet said, Mr. President, sir, he said, you can find another cabinet member, but my seven-year-old son cannot get another dad. 
and he needs me at home. You know, nobody can take your place as a husband or wife. If you don't carry out your duties, who's going to do it? Our, our households need us. Don't miss this. The first duty of a Christian, the first duty of every Christian is his own heart, his own personal walk with God. The second duty of the Christian is his own home. Let me say it again. The first duty of every Christian is his own heart. Keeping our heart with all diligence, guarding our heart. The second duty is our own home. Teach children, yes, many of you do that. Many of you teach children in this church, I know you do. You have Transformers clubs, we have it. Everything we do at our church, I learned here. I learned at First Baptist. I know what you do here. You have all sorts of outreaches. You've got clubs. You've got all, and many of you are involved in that. And I'm for teaching children. On bus routes, I'm for that. In Sunday school classes, I'm for that. By all means, continue to do that. But you ought to begin with your own children. We ought to begin teaching our own children. The church, the job of the church is only to supplement what the parents are already doing at home. Win souls, of course we should. But begin with those who are closest to you. Christianity must begin at home. The apostles were to begin at Jerusalem. You know why the apostles were to begin at Jerusalem? Because that was their home. Because that was where they were based. Remember the maniac of Gadara? Remember that? He wanted to leave and follow Christ after what Christ did for him. You remember what Jesus said? He said, no, first go home to thy friends. Go home to thy friends first and testify to them, those closest to you. Study the life of the Apostle Paul. Study Barnabas. You know where they started? They went to their home areas. That's where they went. What does God's Word say? Here's what God's Word says. If any does not provide for his own, and that's materially and spiritually, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, if we don't believe that, we ought to cut that verse out of our Bibles. It's what the Bible says. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that many Christian workers will have the doom of Eli come to, the, come to them. Do you know who Eli was? I mean, no, Eli was a, he was a minister. He was a priest. He, he was busy around the house of God. But his sons made themselves vile. Listen to what the Bible says. His sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. He may have said to his boys, I don't know exactly what conversations took place, but he may have said, now boys, please don't do that. But he never put his foot down. Eli never said, that's not going to happen in my house. You will not profane the work of God except over my dead body. God give us some parents who will prayerfully lead their homes, their marriages, and their children for God. God give us parents with wisdom and discernment to see the child's future. And say, no, not on my watch. Not on my watch. I love you, son. I love you, sweetheart. But not on my watch. This is how it's going to be. You say, but preacher, I love them. You know, I don't want to cause any conflict. I, I don't want to have any arguments. 
because Eli failed to restrain his boys, God killed them. God killed them. And his household, Eli's household, was placed under a curse. Go back and read it, friend. Read what happened to somebody who was busy in the temple but neglecting their family. I pray that won't be true of us. All of us, all of us need to take heed. There's a reason that story is in the Bible. It's not just filler. God's not just putting it there because he didn't have anything else to say that was interesting. Now come close now and listen, friend. Mark it down. All of our labor and talk of Christianity will mean little if our families run wild. All of our labor, all of our work, all of our talk about our work will mean little if our marriages are broken, if our children are out of control. It is a horrible testimony when the children of godly men behave like the heathen. Proverbs 22 does tell us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I, I, I appreciate that verse, and I claim that verse, but, you know, we can only claim that verse, fellas and ladies, if we're prayerfully and faithfully training up our children. You can't claim that verse if you take no time for them. The Hebrew word for train is the word kanak. It, it means to wet the palate. It means to develop proper appetites. Some have such an appetite for social media today because we allow it. Some, some have, so many of our young people have an appetite for lust-filled movies because it's allowed. And, and in some cases, because the parents participate with them in it. They have an appetite for godless music and rebellious ways. What about starting, listen parents, what about starting when they're young and developing an appetite for working and for serving God and for winning others to Christ, an appetite for praising God and doing what God wants them to do? One of my children visited with me nearly every time, every time. I've been there at the church at Valley Baptist for 24 years, and we're busy. It's a soul-winning church. We're a bus-running church. We're busy, just like you are here. One of my children visited with me nearly every time I went out visiting until Trey, my youngest son, became a seventh grader and went to teen soul-winning. I remember Trent, my oldest son, when I was, when he was young, and they would sometimes, of course, as a dad, you like it. I'd say, all right, I'm going to go visit, and who wants to go with me? And boy, sometimes they'd fight. You know, sometimes one of them say, oh, I want to go. I'd take him visiting. Now, in some cases, that maybe it was a counseling appointment, or I couldn't take him, of course. But most of the time, you ask my wife, most of the time they went with me. Trey, whenever, or Trent, whenever he went with me, he wanted to have his shirt and tie on. You know, a little boy's shirt and tie you can buy in those little packages at the store. The pockets on those shirts are like this big. I remember Trent, he, he wanted to have three by five cards in his pocket like me. And then the problem was the pen. Because I'd give him a pen and the pocket's like this big and it's like jabbing him in the throat, you know. My wife will remember we looked for a pen that would fit his pocket. I remember thinking... My son was doing that with me. Oh, God. Help me to always be a good example. Help me 
I'm going to set the right pattern for him. You know what he does every week? He visits the bus route. Go soul winning. My five-year-old daughter, Ashley, moved to Arizona. She, she was five years old, but she got on a bus route. You know why? Because that's what she had always done. She used to, every night we'd pray, and, and I'd say, Ashley, what do I want to pray about? She said, we need to pray for my bus kids. She's five years old. You know what she does every Saturday? She gives her twin daughters to a babysitter, and she visits her bus route. I'm telling you, folks, there's no joy like serving Jesus. You say, preacher, they slow me down. It'll multiply later, friend. It'll multiply later. And one of the keys to taking my kids out visiting, I couldn't go out as long maybe as I would have gone. And then every time we were done visiting, go to the gas station, go to the store, get them a drink. Man, they never got soda, those bug drinks, you know, bug juice and whatever they'd get. Take heed that you serve the Lord, but don't neglect your two months at home. Take the time. And let me encourage you to be home when you are home. I'm not against hobbies. I'm not, friend. And don't leave this place and say that this pastor is against hobbies. But I'll just be honest with you. I don't have enough time for hobbies unless they involve my wife or my children. Maybe it's just me. Now, maybe you're at a point in your life and your children are all grown and grandchildren maybe or distance. But I don't have time for that. Let's not offer God public service while neglecting our home duties. This includes our personal walk with God as well. Take the time, friend. Take the time to read the Bible and pray without rushing. If I can encourage us as pastors, if there's one thing I really believe that we ought to do, spend time with the Lord every day. The best hour of my day is in the morning, and I've got to have time to be able to read the Bible through. I... I I can't make it without that. Take time for your spouse. The best thing you'll ever do for your children, listen, I'm almost done. The best thing you'll ever do for your children is provide a stable marriage for them to pattern after. Take time for your spouse. I know we're busy. Last week, my wife and I took two days off after our ladies' conference at our church. We had hundreds of ladies that came. We were able to take time to spend together. Say, preacher, I just don't have that time. Friend, if you don't take time for your family, you'll have to take time later. Read the Bible together as a family. (laughs) Growing up for me, my parents, we we read the Bible together every morning. We had to be at the kitchen table at 645. When my kids were growing up, it was best for us in the evening at 830. Every night we read the Bible and we got Bible story books and John R. Rice's Bible story books and Ingermeyer's Bible story books and other Bible story books and we would act it out. Listen, it doesn't have to be. It's not like a revival message. I'd read with our kids and I'd, I'd act it out and I got one of my boys. I, I, I'll tell you who it is, but I don't want to embarrass Trevor. But one of our children always wanted to be God or Jesus. Every time, who wants to be God? We would act it out. And then, then after we'd done that, many, many times through, every night we did this. And then I would read through those Bible story books and I would leave out words. And Jesus walked down the, and they'd guess, you know, and they'd come up with something crazy, you know. You say, preacher, I don't like that. Okay, don't do it that way. But do something. Spend time investing in your children. Make it enjoyable. You know what you're doing? You're wetting their appetite. Listen, serving God's the best thing in the world. It ought to be that way to our children. Sing with them. Sing with you say, I'm not a very good singer. That's all right. Sing with them. That your children will love to praise God if you do. 
Be faithful to Sunday school and church and take your children. Don't send them. 1 John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. It's interesting because he said here, he, he's not with them personally, but I hear it. They're still walking in truth. One month in Lebanon and two at home. Of course, if our children love the Lord, all the glory goes to him. Listen to this statement. If our children love the Lord, all the glory goes to him. But, but, the joy and blessing comes to us. Have I told you about my grandchildren? <laughs> Could we pull some pictures up on the screen? No, the truth is, the glory goes to God. But the joy is something we enjoy. We get to partake of. My mom and dad took so much time, and I believe it was worth it. Who knows, who knows, but that my greatest ministry might be my children. It might be my children. That may be the greatest thing that I ever accomplished. One month in Lebanon and two at home. Let's not neglect our family. Let's not neglect our own hearts. Walk with God. Again, walk with God. Spend time with Him. My parents spent a lot of time with us, but I'll tell you what was at the foundation of that. My dad, every morning at that kitchen table, long before we got there with his Bible open. My mom, every night at that same kitchen table with her coffee and her Bible open. That's foundational. May we not become self-confident or we will surely fall. Two months at home in prayer. Two months at home in Bible study. Two months at home in self-examination. Here's the message, friend. A month in Lebanon and two at home. An important principle tucked away in the Old Testament. Don't miss it. Search your heart. I, I don't know who this is for, but I know it's for me. Search your heart. Is there an area of your life that you need to address? I can tell you by experience, and I'm not an expert on everything, but I can tell you by experience you'll never be sorry for the time that you invest in your family. You'll never be sorry. Now, again, one great thing to do is serve with your family. Serve with them. Get them involved. Don't leave them behind. Be busy serving the Lord. Let's, let's serve the Lord while we have opportunity. But let's don't leave our family behind.